Hello, and welcome back to another episode of 52 in 52, a podcast where we watch at least one movie a week for every week in the year and record an episode about it. Today, we're going to be talking uh, about a movie called The Killing of a Sacred Deer by director Yorgos Lanthimos. Um, and we're joined by Graham, who's been on a couple of our podcasts before. This Graham. Is, no, this is Graham's second one. He hasn't been on since Cloverfield. Oh, I thought, you guys did one, I thought you guys did one together without me. No, I, try, I, I tried to get him to do It Comes at Night, and then Graham never saw it. So, oh, uh, I, I, Yeah, I never did. I, I never, never, I never I did, did either. <laughs> I did see that, and, and I know I don't want to get off topic, but that was a movie that I'm usually like not a fan of movies where not much happens, but it you know a lot happens. And that was a movie that I was sitting on the edge of my seat. I didn't think I would be. I was expecting kind of like, you know— like a zombie flick, kind of like Twenty Eight Days Later or something like that, and sure. it was I was pleasantly surprised. In that so, oh, so, so you did see it? It just you got you got to yeah, really late. yeah. All right, Eventually, so there you go. Two, two endorsements, Anthony. So you should check it out. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> it's I just I just didn't see it more than anything. Joel, I know Joel Joel said it was good. brilliant. That's yeah. he's always good in everything. I mean, I love him. So yeah, that's good. that was enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the movie we're talking about, we talked about uh, this guy's movie two years ago or no, last year. year. Last year, um, uh, yeah. it's called The Lobster. It was actually like got a lot of publicity considering it was like pretty low budget and everything. Um, and I know a lot of people that actually did see it, which is like strange. I have had like random people say, oh, I listened to your podcast on The Lobster and people don't like always say stuff like that. I'm like, oh, OK, yeah. well, thanks. That's a weird movie. <laughs> um, so basically, I-, I feel like we didn't really talk about this beforehand, but I feel like the whole podcast is kind of just spoilery because if you're talking about like the plot, you just kind of have to talk about the plot, which is kind of spoilery in itself. But I guess if you watch a trailer, you kind of understand too. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you guys, if you guys haven't seen it, I, I would honestly say don't watch the trailer because I think it gives away a lot of the movie. Personally, I don't know if you guys have anything else to say, but I, I think we should just talk about like the whole movie and spoilers. That's fine. People can see it. Yeah, that's a good. This is a good preface. I mean, I don't think if you're listening to this, you you probably know what the movie's about. And if you know what the movie's about, you've seen the trailer. And if you've seen the trailer, you've seen yeah. half <laughs> the film. So, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So with that said, Graham, I think you liked it the most. What did you think of this movie? Yeah, absolutely. I was a big fan. Uh, it was. It had instances where. I don't know. The thing that stood out to me the most is the character dialogue. Is unlike anything I really had had seen in many other films, most of it just seems awkward, uncomfortable, St- off-putting, stilted, and and in a in a way that is, it seems like it, done right in that instance. It's it's it seems purposeful, and when it's done purposefully well, it just comes off as extremely unsettling. And I think that's what they were going for. But with that being said, I think we talked about this a lot. A lot of these elements in the movie, you kind of have to suspend you know, disbelief, uh, whether the main plot, which we'll get into, whether you think that could happen, whether it's even the way that teenagers talk to each other, the way that the parents interact, all these things are atypical aspects. And I think that is, you know, where the real horror comes from is this seems kind of like a, this is an unsettling family. You can tell there's a foreboding feeling through it the entire time. And that's what I really liked. I mean, I, I did, wasn't let down by it. There were no huge jump scares, any of that stuff. I just felt extremely uncomfortable the entire time, and there was a big payoff, in my opinion, to those uncomfortable vibes. I know that. Uh, can we get into spoilers now? Or yeah, that was the whole point of that thing. Go yeah, for okay. it. Okay, all right. Yeah. So, I, so when he, you know, the kid, the, I guess the climax is when 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 Martin, 
uh, talks to Steven and he says, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say what's wrong. And they meet upstairs in the hospital and the kids are unable to walk. And he just spews out that if, unless he kills one of his kids, uh, uh, you know, they're going to continue to die. They're going to bleed from the eyes. They're not gonna be able to walk. And that's when the first element of disbelief where you had to suspend everything around you because they're in a hospital and there's two kids and their dad's supposed to be this great surgeon, but he has no idea what's going on with the kids. And they've, you know, they could bring in doctors from out of town. They consult with other physicians and no one has even an idea. They're just kind of letting these kids, I don't want to say decay, but they're definitely just sitting there in the hospital and no one knows how to get them better. That aspect I think is when you're like a, I, I, not a kid, but when you're like someone who is generally very healthy, one of this, you know, one of those scary things you think of all the time is, <laughs> am I going to just die and no one knows how to cure me? And that's probably what, as a father, Stephen, uh, Colin Farrell, that's probably his biggest issue is he's watching his kids and he's supposed to be, you know, a genius doctor, very well, <laughs> you know, well, well liked, and he doesn't know how to do it, and it's 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 making him kind of. Breakdown. Well, can I ask you something then? Because um, I agree with everything you just said about it really being like a cool windup. I like the first half of the movie. You, there's this stilted dialogue. It feels like a very formal uh, suburban setting, and everyone's just like living this very routine lifestyle. Yet they do convey that sense of dread just mainly by that score and how bizarre Martin is. So you know it's going to go somewhere kind of weird. You don't know what, but you can just tell. One, you just, I mean, if you've seen The Lobster, you know, you know that got pretty dark in the second half and dog tooth was messed up in its own way so i just have that expectation with this director and i think he sets a pretty foreboding mood but i don't know if there was a massive payoff for me when you say when you say you thought there was a great payoff are you talking about that conversation or are you talking about something else in the second half of the movie yeah i guess like when i say big payoff i know that it doesn't reach the scales of i mean i mean when you compare it to the lobster and which we can talk about this and that's the biggest problem with seeing this movie is people are going to compare it a lot to the lobster and how you kind of knew something was coming based on the tone. But I guess the big payoff for me was that I guess it wasn't disappointing. Something was really going on with the kids. And as you saw the kids eyes bleed and they were really unable to walk, you realize that something really is going wrong because there's always this element for the first half of the movie. That's making you question whether what you're seeing is really real. If anything, is just in the head. If Martin really just needs help, if he really did anything to the kids, how he could have done anything to the kids. But seeing that they were in the hospital, that this is really happening to them, that's the big payoff I talk about. Because I was worried this was going to be like a psychological horror movie where he gets close to the kids and then he's kind of, uh, you know, he has this control over them where he makes them feel like this is happening to them and it's not really happening to them and it's a psychological issue. I think that's kind of what I was expecting. But to see that, that you know, he really did do something to them. They're really suffering and and obviously with the climax of the movie and how it ends, you know that I think that when I say payoff, I guess I'm just saying that everything did kind of meet the expectations. It wasn't a letdown in, I, you know, this is really a mental health movie. This was really about a sinister kid, you know, trying to kill these two kids. Mm. And that's what I really liked. That's the payoff for me, at least. So, Anthony, go ahead, because you've been quiet now. <laughs> it seems like you're, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're on the other yeah. end of the spectrum from Graham on this. Yeah, um... So I, I don't think that we need to compare it to the lobster in the sense of like, oh, this was because they're they're not similar at all. Uh, but the thing is that when it's the same director like this, uh, like their style is going to be over the movie. And I think it's pretty obvious, like the style of this movie is very similar to that of the lobster. And 
I think that I was very, uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it was just dry to the point of uh, his style almost felt stale for me as I was watching the movie. And I've only seen now two movies of his. And by the time I thought it was stale, it was like a movie and a half. And I, I understand your point of like suspension of disbelief. And I don't even think that was a problem for me in this. I just think that, I don't know, like I, I just didn't, like Josh said, it, it didn't feel based in real like it's supposed I feel like it's supposed to be based in realism, but also like, you know, have this like weird super. I don't know if you want to call it supernatural element or horror movie element, whatever. And it just it, it just never clicked with me at any point. Like there's stuff I liked about it, um, but it just it, it all of it together just didn't do it for me. And and I think the trailer like. There are movies where you know something's going to happen, right? For instance, like this isn't the best example, but like Taken, you know that the girl is going to get taken. So at some point, like in the movie, you need to watch the movie and still like be like, okay, I appreciate like how this is going to happen and then things will go forward from there. And you need to have that point where the thing happens that everybody knows is going to happen and you and you move on from it. And that's fine. And I think in this movie, like I, I – you just like you know the kids are gonna like lose their they're gonna be paralyzed and then whatever whatever I think it takes like an hour maybe fifteen minutes for that to happen in this movie, which is fine. I just it, it didn't I didn't feel like they led up to it well enough. And then after that, I sort of think that the tone was like it either needed to be more of like more horrific almost or more of like because it didn't like it has this like comedy element but it doesn't give into it at all and then it doesn't it just didn't mesh well for me yeah. I, th- I, th- I think you remembered more of the trailer than i did because like i told you to watch it and then you're like shit i shouldn't have watched well, it I, maybe and it then... wasn't even that i i knew exactly what was i knew exactly what was gonna happen See, like, i don't i, knew... I didn't remember any of the trailer going yeah. into it okay which is i knew exactly that the kid was gonna be fucking with him because he killed his dad like i they didn't even say that in the trailer but i knew that was like gonna happen i think i think I, I think i read that somewhere else um, and that's what I kind of had that part of it spoiled for me that he was getting revenge, but I didn't know that about, I didn't know it was going to be through the kids. I didn't. And I think the biggest thing for me was that what Graham's talking about suspending disbelief was that I wish I had just known to do it at that point. If I had just like known to accept it as soon as he gives him the explanation of what he's doing, if I just known to accept like, Oh, he has the power to do this. So you, you don't think that you accepted it? I, I think I just kept expecting there to be some other explanation. I thought he was just fucking with him when they were in the hospital. And I Likewise. Didn't actually, yeah, so I, I just thought, like, he's just, he, he found out the kids got sick, and he's going to pretend like he has some power over him just to mess with him. Why did, why did, I'm curious why you, th- why you thought that. He, he wasn't serious, I guess. I, I guess because it just seemed so insane. Like, I shouldn't have thought that, given that, like, the guy made a movie about turning people into animals. Yeah. I, just thought, I, just thought, <laughs> I just thought that this movie was, like, a little more grounded in realism for some reason because, I, I, like, you knew that was the premise of the lobster going in. Well, where, well that's the thing, right, is that. You you would think that it would be more grounded in realism, yeah. but it just it's, it's just not. not, and so it just feels disconnected from both the reality and then like some supernatural world right. where like this stuff could happen. Right. So I just thought there was going to be some more of a explanation for what was causing it, and I don't need my movies to explain everything. I think it's cool sometimes if sure. movies don't answer every single question for you and hold your hand and all of that. But I just thought something else was coming, and instead it was just it felt like that second half of the movie really dragged for me, where it's just like. Okay, so this really is it. He's just going to sit there being tied up hostage, and these kids are going to crawl around. And I actually thought it was cool visuals watching the kids crawl around the house. It seemed like a very distinctive 
kind of thing that he would do now having seen those first two movies and i i appreciated it it just felt like it it went on a little long and i i don't for for as long as that section of the movie lasted i just didn't think i got a lot out of it but i mean what do you what do you think about that graham as far as like once once it does take that turn and you're seeing the kids suffer like what, what else did you think about just how they interacted with martin the rest of the film well, I, I I think part of that suspension of disbelief is that Colin Farrell didn't immediately beat the fuck out of him. Um, <laughs> and I mean, you, anyone who hurts your kid, well, I think he does. I think he wanna... doesn't believe he doesn't believe him though for and a while, right? And that's excellent. And the wife does. Yeah. Instantly dismisses it. Yeah, and that's why you have that like you know parental dynamic where where you know Colin Farrell brought this kid into their lives. <clears throat> Nicole Kidman is just she doesn't know that you know. He, he felt responsible for killing Martin's dad, uh, that they've been having this relationship, all these things. She's kind of definitely a victim in the sense. And when you kind of start to see that she's, you know, more perceptive of how, you know, bad Martin really is. I think that's kind of when it hits hits you that, OK, this guy has devious intentions. I, I don't want to like. I don't want to skip too far ahead, but one of my favorite scenes in the movie that I think is when you talk about suspension of disbelief needs to be mentioned is when Colin Farrell goes over to Martin's house where his mom is and they cook dinner. It's Alicia Silverstone. Uh, great. Doesn't even seem like Alicia Silverstone in that role. And she just is doing everything in her power to, you know, make Colin Farrell, you know, Citizen. fall in love with her, all these things. And she throws herself at him. And, and then I think in a day later in the film timeline, He's visiting his kids in the hospital. They're losing all this stuff. So was that the final straw? Was was the mom in on it? Did she know about all this stuff? Because I find it very hard to believe that you know he didn't, that she didn't know that he was the doctor that was responsible for her husband's death. And that's when when I'm really already feeling like this is kind of a horror movie. Him being stuck alone with Martin's mom, who you know probably blames him for the death of her husband. That's when I was really feeling like something was going to pop off. I kept waiting for her to stab him or something. That's I, when you look at like horror elements like that. That scene is very uncomfortable, but on face value, it looks like just a man and a woman eating dinner. But if you don't know sure. every other context. detail around it, that's yeah. yeah. That context is really important. But if you know everything else going around it, that is a really off-putting creepy scene going back and rewatching it i'm sure that i would probably feel knowing what's going to happen obviously that watching that scene that's kind of you know the climax if he makes a move for <laughs> martin's mom who knows if he saves his kids and i'm not saying that that's not the right thing to do but you also <laughs> saw nicole kidman reaching outside the <laughs> you know confines of their relationship i know that it's totally different but it's clear that maybe if he does that makes a move on martin's mom that saves his kids. Who knows if that was the final straw in Martin deciding, listen, if he's not going to be my new dad, I'm fucking this guy's life up. Actually, That's didn't really, what I was I, really thinking about. I, that, actually, you know? I actually didn't really think about that at all. I mean, I should have made that connection. Like, what had happened if he did give in? Like, I really, I just thought she was just like a lonely widow. I didn't even think about it that. Well, That's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't think, I, I think, man, uh, I don't know. I don't, even if he makes a move, I don't think that it matters because there's sort of like wouldn't be like happily ever after. And I think that's sort of like what he would have wanted. Yeah, that's what he kind of wanted. You could tell. And if they're if they're not, then the same shit is going to happen. Um, it's and not then, worse for her and his mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I just I don't know. I didn't actually feel like I felt more awkward watching that. Not that I was awkward, but like I felt the awkwardness of it for him. Not unless of like. <laughs> scared for him i guess because i i was like oh she's gonna make it weird she's gonna make it weird and then she made it weird and then she's like 
let's have tart. And I'm like, nah, like, that's oh, not. Oh, yeah. Let's have uh, tart. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but put I, that tart on my face. So, so I guess that goes back to what I was saying before is, like, personally, like, I wish it was more, like, grounded in a horror movie because, I don't know, and, like, one of the really cool elements of horror movies is you, you have this thing that you know is coming and then you watch it happen step by step. It's like a torture movie. It's the same. It's the same. It's kind of like Saw. Like you see the the worst thing I've ever seen in a movie is I think it was like Saw One or Saw Two, where the, all the people have to go into the needles to get the keys. Oh yeah, and it's like he it's throws like, her in the pit. Yeah, yeah, in the pit, and it's like it, 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 it's similar here. It's like you, he said what's going to happen, and now you have to watch these kids suffer step by step by step by step. And I think that's that was cool, but also I just. You guys, you guys have both said like, oh, the kids are suffering. The kids are suffering. But honestly, like they didn't play it that way. I don't think he played it that way with with the direction. They're kind of just like sitting in bed like, oh, well, I hope I get better. Like and then well, they're just crawling the, around all willy well, nilly. Like the girl also did drag herself basically down the road. Do you remember that? She yeah. was on the sidewalk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was later. I know that's later. But but it, yeah. it, it, it I think that highlighted how the kids you know, they weren't in pain. They could tell something was off of them, yeah. but that really showed how desperate yeah. they Fuck had got. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, I, I think this goes without saying, but the biggest thing that the movie highlighted for me is how we are very preconceived to just assume that, you know, kids who are under the age of 18 have the best intentions and aren't going to be evil. Because when you see a guy like Martin, you just your first things. I mean, he's very off putting. He's inappropriate. He's 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 rude. He's crude. He doesn't know boundaries. But what are your first things you're thinking of are him or like, oh, this is a kid who's struggling. He's missing his dad. You're you want to believe. Yeah, yeah, you want to believe the best in Martin. And that's what makes him such a great villain, so to speak, because for the longest time, you may have seen the trailers. You may have heard what he's going to do. The kids. But everything he gives off could easily be just written off to, oh, he's struggling without his sure. dad. He's, and that's what I think is really the the toughest thing to grapple with is because you never really know. I mean, just because it's a kid and he seems to be, you know, and, and girls too, like just because they're kids and they seem to have the best intentions and, you know, speak the best things doesn't mean that they're wholesome and good. And that's what this really kind of shows. Maybe, you know, Stephen or Colin Farrell going into it. Is his name Stephen? I keep saying one of yeah, Stephen. Stephen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he he keeps wanting to you know see the best in Martin and give the best to Martin because he obviously feels bad and that blinds him towards these obvious red flags about about Martin and that and that speaks a lot about in our society how you you tend to dismiss red flags and people if you see an outside circumstance that you could easily attribute to where that could come from and that's that's what I thought a lot from from Martin is they made it very clear to the viewer that there's something wrong with this kid but knowing how Steven felt, how, how Nicole Kidman felt, how the kids felt about him. They were easily just wanting to excuse his behavior. And that's what, if you're sitting at home and you're, and you know, someone like that, or, you know, like what <laughs> you would do in that situation, if someone was being that uncomfortable to you, sure. There's nothing you're, you're wanting more than to get out of that situation. And that, so to some people that seems like a horror movie elements, other people, they just see this kid who's, you know, weird kid. Yeah. yeah, a weird kid. And that's what I think is you never really know the person you're befriending. Wait, well, I think kinda... I think that's why I like the first half of the movie better is that it's it's more about trying to like because you just kind of know something's wrong with him, but you don't really totally know what. And even even once I'm still like even once I'm still not sure if he's fucking with him or not, or he actually has that control to make him sick. Like I like not really knowing what to make of that kid in that mystery. And maybe I just wasn't satisfied with the ultimate result of that enough. But like, I agree with you. It's interesting to think about like how they react to like this 
innocent kid like him. And I thought it was pretty, and like, I, I don't know. I, I, it, and it, and throughout that part of it where you're dealing with him, there are those comedy elements mixed in, which is like, like a, a fun wrinkle just because some of the stuff that he does is played for laughs to a certain extent when he doesn't know his boundaries. And so it's, I don't know. It's fun. It's, it, it, I thought it was just an interesting mix. Whereas the second half just kind of like was a little more dark and slow and stodgy and, watching the kids hang around the house. And I think that was maybe the difference for me. But I don't disagree with you in having to figure out the kid being an interesting part of the movie. It's just, I, I don't think there was as much of that in the second half for me, and that's probably what I enjoyed more, you know? I actually liked the second half more than the first really? half. Really? Like, the first half was, it was so, it was just so slow to get to where it was going to go yeah. for me that I just was, I, I, I checked my phone and the check my phone test oh, will never man. fail. Yeah, no, 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 that's yeah. not good. What, what, what did you think? Of, what did you, what, what was it? What did you guys think of the weird sex stuff when they were like, she was playing dead in bed and all that. Like, I thought there was going to be more of a payoff to that. Is this, do you think it was I think just, like just a, a Yorgos, background thing? Yorgos is a weird pervy kind of dude, I think more than anything. Well, and, and a lot of it is, well, you, you have the director who, you know, is, is, has this off-putting style yeah. and it would be it would be easy to assume that there's something wrong with martin if he's the only one who's yeah, talking yeah, sure. weird exactly but but the girl the daughter has met him for five minutes and is like i got my period this week <laughs> you guys remember that? yeah and like yes yeah, so said the same and, thing too when they're having when they're having uh, he, he's just he, like talking to fa- other coworkers. yeah yeah it's and it's and it's those elements are just like okay this Everyone's is not weird. how people yeah. normally sure. correspond and so when you see Martin talking in a similar way, it's easy to just like chalk that up to, oh, that's just part of the film. He's just a he's just talking weird because that's the way it's written. He's that's not really point. a weird kid. And that's why I think that element is so crucial and conversations like that are so crucial because it, otherwise you are just have this weird kid walking around and these two kids who are trying to welcome them to their home and not saying anything weird. But instead they're like, yeah, they, they're all, they were just as off putting to me at times with Martin in the room as he was. I don't know if they both fed off of that and. But it definitely was – it helped you ease in that first part of the movie that maybe, you know, Martin's just this misunderstood guy. We have to talk about – because you brought up a good point about the control aspect, and that obviously is something that carries over until the very end of the movie, which – I don't know. Are you guys ready to talk about the end of the movie yet? Or Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they walk in, and, you know, that, that scene where, where Colin Farrell spins around the room – um, and makes his choice is. Well, I think the point of the spinning uh, was so he didn't have to make a choice. Absolutely, yeah. makes his makes his choice was that he wasn't going to make a choice, yeah. and and I don't know how his wife was going to live with him with that. It was his daughter, and and you're kind of that's your immediate question is was if this is going to break their family, but they walk into that very same diner that Stevens walked in multiple times to meet with Martin, and Martin's there at the counter, and the family's not giving him any mind. The girl is healed. The family seems strong. And then they walk out, look at him like nothing's wrong. He looks like – I don't know what his expression was. I don't know if it was disdain or surprise. But it's very clear that he no longer has that grasp over them. So, again, you've seen everything, the physical things that happened to the kids. But you don't know at the very end if if Martin really was doing anything to them because how could the girl just be absolutely fine? That's what I – that's the only thing I could think that makes me think that it was Martin well, she, doing something to them. And she flashes like a little grin at him too. At yeah. The end. I, forgot, Which is, I, I forgot that. It's just yeah. like, and it's, it's like, she obviously still has that level of affection. That's not going to go away. 
and because they were they were real friends and she definitely had a crush on him. more than friends definitely but. had a crush on him. <laughs> and well you know this is she's a minor <laughs> um so is he and and uh yeah well i guess he's close though yeah he was he 18 that's the thing was he 16. 17 or 18 he's 16, he he's 16 and she was 14 okay. right and yeah and 16 yeah 14 or 13 and and which makes it you know just still very unsettling but she flashes that grin at him and my first thought was is he coming for her i mean how could she be healed because because i'm thinking like if she was healed she's gonna say no someone's gonna say what happened to her you know if they if 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 a doctor healed her someone's her dad's gonna speak up and say this happened to her because they would investigate him if she was poisoned or something like that so unless she was totally cured and no, there was no, you know, evidence that she had been poisoned. Any of this stuff. That's the only way I could see that the family is totally fine and Martin's, you know, not in juvie or something like that. Because, I, again, this goes back to the suspending disbelief. Because, I, I, my only reason was my only thinking was that she, she must have been controlled by him. The kids must have been controlled by him somehow. Because otherwise, there would have been all this medical records. Or he would know there would be poisoning. The kid would be investigated. He wouldn't be scot free. Those things. It reinforced in my mind that maybe this was a uh, some psychological control after all. Why? Well, yeah. they, they they never brought in the police for a re- like they made it a point to not bring in the police because they know that Stephen would have been like investigated for drinking while performing surgery, right? Like that well, was how, sort well, of like how do you prove the, that element? That's see that I so mean because the anesthesiologist know. was very open about like it wasn't my fault. Yeah, everybody knew he drank he drank before surgery like. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that I think that to me, I don't know. I feel like we're getting I, I feel like we're getting different things for the movie, but not in like a right or wrong way. I just to me, the, my explanation was they didn't want to bring in the police because they didn't want Stephen to get in trouble, which then would fuck everything up anyway. And then um, I just thought they didn't. I, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. And and, and I, I don't think I think they just. Part of the style of the movie was like, oh, the kid's gone. Like, we don't need to explain it because they didn't even explain like to the, the kids all of a sudden just knew like, hey, this person wants us to kill one of the four of us. And they're both like, yeah, hey, just fucking kill me, whatever. It's fine. Like, you know, and, and it's like casual. And then so to me, that was sort of like how those parts of the movie interacted for me. Well, I just thought they didn't bring in the police because what are you going to tell the police? Like. But if your kids and you miss if your kids miss that much school, they're in the hospital. You have neighbors that notice. There, there well, are the neighbors didn't notice where, no gunshots for no, like how I, long. I, I, I thought right, it was, I again, thought, well, we're no, all I, talking about suspension yeah, disbelief yeah, in these elements. No, but it, I, which is like, I thought they just didn't go back from the hospital. They took him back from the hospital because like no one knew what was wrong with them. They're like, all right, we're just gonna yeah, let these kids go home yeah. and die. So I didn't think there was much of an explanation needed there. If the girl can walk again, they could just be like, well, no one knows what this disease <laughs> was, but clearly she just automatically got better. I didn't think they were gonna be under any obligation to provide an explanation because no one yeah. even could medically diagnose them in the first place. You know? Yeah, but if you miss that much school, like I'm saying, like there there are people. They obviously live in an upper class neighborhood. There are people. <laughs> she would have friends. There, there, sure. Those those elements. You have to. She. You never see her friends. You never see his friends. You never hear. You know, Stephen has this one friend, the the uh, anesthesiologist, who is so quick to throw him under the bus, and Stephen's so quick to throw him under the bus. He's very quick to. Uh, he's very quick to like extort his wife yeah. for a hand job. And, and and you know that Stephen said the exact same thing. He was like, surgeons yeah. never, never kill people. Anesthesiologists kill people. And so yeah. it just shows that dynamic. And that they seem like this very secluded family in that sense. And unless they had no friends, no <laughs> colleagues. They're pretty they're weird kids. And checked up on. They're, they're checking things in their house. If I mean, if there's paint in their walls, anything that could have possibly caused this on these kids, they would be looking at these things. I, so that that while I'm watching this, I'm telling myself, like, 
we're not just we're just not seeing those elements. Sure, you can't miss I, all that school. <laughs> I just yeah, but I, I again I, I don't know. I just don't think that was important like for the story he's telling. But at the same time, it's a reason why the lobsters like world building is so much more believable, even though it's probably more insane than this. To me, it was just That's like. Fair very clearly not grounded in realism but like also logical to the point where you could follow along Mm -hmm. and then this movie is more of just like it's sort of psychological thriller horror movie slash uh weird like because there's like elements of greek mythology in it and uh and then they have the i I think my favorite scene in the whole movie was when colin farrell goes to the school to talk to the principal whoever the fuck that was and he's like trying to get that guy to decide which kid he should kill uh, and he's like, well, Who's which one is one? better at this? Who's this one's harder. better at math and science. This one's better at language and, and whatever. And if, I, you had to pick, I, if you had to pick. I really appreciated that scene. And then uh, the principal dude talks about the daughter writing about Greek mythology, in, like her essay or whatever. Um, and that person that she's talking about was sacrificed to uh, – in like the Trojan War or whatever by uh, whoever the fuck. I don't remember. Um and so I thought that was interesting, and I was like, oh, maybe she's going to be the one that dies because she wrote this essay about this woman who gets sacrificed, whatever. Um, I don't know. So so I, I was like, oh, whatever. This dude wants to have, like, a horror movie about Greek mythology, and that's fine. Um, the one, the only time I think I was actually, like, surprised, surprised was I, I honestly thought he might have been, like, putting – the pillows over their head, so they all die, and then he just shoots himself. Yeah, I thought he was going to kill himself. I thought he was going to kill himself yeah. up until he started thought, doing that. Yeah, yeah. And the one thing that I'm, it makes sense that I'm kind of bothered is never explicitly said in the movie is like no one was ever. He was never like I'll just kill myself for my family. Like he was never willing to sacrifice, and no one was yeah. like, see, Stephen, maybe you should just like die for your kids and your wife, whatever, whatever, whatever. Like that never happened, and that was like yeah. kind of insane. It's very clear. It's very clear that you know that that Stephen Colin Farrell is is very responsible for everything that happens. I mean, the he he kills the kid's dad. He then feels pity on it, brings the kids, you know, brings them into their family, brings them around his kids. Everything seems to be his fault and would have easily been avoided if he had been honest, sure. had not had pity well, on the kid. Because why? Because why do you say that? Well, why do you, honest why do you about what was, though? Why do you think he was? What? Why do you think he was friends with the kid? Why do you? How do you think he became friends with the kid? Well, um, obviously he felt bad because the kid's dad died under his. So how the kid? How the kid know though that he killed his dad? Well, the he. Well, that's the thing, right? Is you're sort of taking it a step further because the kid knows that he was the surgeon and yeah. presumes that's why his dad died. No matter what anyone tells him, whether it was he was going to die anyway. Whether it was the anesthesiologist, whether it was anything else, like if it was just natural, like he wasn't couldn't be saved. The kid is just dead set that this guy killed my dad, and yeah, he doesn't and care about anyone else. That's but weird. That doesn't because, mean that he killed his dad at the same time, right? Sure, yeah, but he just he's so sure of it. Sure, and yeah. and you you know because you've heard Colin Farrell's dialogues with other people that he has a drinking problem. He he was drinking that day the surgery, but there's no way before that where Martin would know any of this. But clearly when you re- meet, like see their dynamic at work, you know that Martin knows that what happened to this guy. And that's why you're kind of like, how, you know? Yeah. yeah and, and, and obviously it makes me wonder, like if I'm a kid and, and I lose a parent and some, some guy who knew my dad at the very end comes to me and starts being my friend and he has a million other patients he sees daily, and he he really wants to be my friend, invites me over. My first thought is probably, okay, 
this guy feels guilty about something, which maybe I'm just assuming that because, you know, we've seen a movie, but, but we don't know. We don't know in this in this theory, like who reached out to who. Yeah. And then he doesn't. They're like they're meeting infrequently and then they start meeting more frequently. And it's sort of like a. I think it's more of like Martin psychologically, like taking his time with a plan more than Colin Farrell reaching out because because like in, in the timeline, Colin Farrell had stopped drinking like three years beforehand and then yeah. he only met, he only started hanging out with martin like six months beforehand so yeah. there's a time period of the kid probably like devising a plan etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah. I, I, the fact that it's not like immediate is sort of i sort of was like okay like this is more of on the kid than on colin farrell but anthony even though you did, just, sorry i was just yeah, saying even though you didn't, even though you didn't particularly like the movie what do you think of the kid's performance uh yeah i mean he was good I mean, I mean, that's about all I got. I, don't know, it's, I, 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 I just thought it was funny watching him like kind of do this balls out performance after just being how different he was in Dunkirk, you know? And he was just like, yeah. like, like the quiet, yeah. honorable kid with the moral compass in Dunkirk. And now he's like playing a totally deranged individual and he was good in both yeah. movies. I thought it was pretty well, cool. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I appreciated like the devious stuff more than the weird stuff. Yeah. Um, but they sort of go hand in hand with like someone who's not stable, I guess. That's spaghetti scene. Um, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That was weird. Um, when, yeah, that, that's 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 it. He was fine. He was good. I mean, he was good. I just yeah. he wasn't like well, whatever. I don't know. I thought I thought it was a pretty similar like. It's fairly similar to the kind of like demeanor Colin Farrell had in The Lobster too. Like, I mean, I really I've really grown to like him a lot as an actor, but I don't really know how much like that performance really carried the movie for me more so than the kids. And I love Nicole Kidman too, but she, I mean, she didn't really have a lot of interesting stuff to do probably outside of the spaghetti scene and reacting to him. Um, I don't know. I didn't well, know she was, she was a good, she was good for Colin Farrell because he's like playing the same guy he played in the lobster almost. Mm-hmm. And she gives him a nice like balance because like, like I said, I, I'm kind of like stale of his style already. I don't know if dog tooth is like very similar, but I don't know how you guys felt about that, but I was just like, the the dry stuff can work, but it just when it's not working, it it becomes worse than almost anything else in film. Like when it when it doesn't work, that's fair. You I mean, agree with that. You mean, you mean like the ways? Just like when you say the dry stuff, do you mean the ways they're conversing like mostly in the first half yeah. of the movie when they're just setting up their life? Yeah. I thought it was a little yeah. weird. I, I don't. I don't know if I was like tired of it, but I was it's still, very I was still similar to, to the lobster. Oh, it's very. It's like very, very direct and yeah. very yeah, like, definitely. Sh- but and and it's fine and I think it worked. I, you know, we both talked. We talked about the lobster and it was we had our thoughts on it. We didn't hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, we liked parts of it, and I think that it worked in that movie much more than it worked here because like that movie is much less grounded in realism. Mm-hmm. The, like like I said, and then it's just, yeah, it's just, just like it seems like it seems like it's supposed to be set in American City X, just random American City. Yeah, they don't even sure. give a specific. I guess, but it doesn't even matter. Yeah, but it, it seems like because it's setting it in normal American City, maybe you're expecting people yeah. to just talk normally and sure. stuff, and then yeah, they don't, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, like Graham mentioned it earlier. Everyone's weird to the point where you can sort of like, since everyone is weird, you're unsure of like their motivations and their actions and what's going to happen. Whereas otherwise, you would just be focusing on Martin and like pigeonhole him as like oh he's the only person that's doing something fucked up here yeah right and i don't think that's what the director wants you to think the whole time yeah yeah i was just curious so. asking you guys about the performances i don't know if there's anything else with the movie you wanted to discuss it seems like we fairly well covered i'm trying to think if there's anything else that's worthwhile did you like the lobster graham 
Yeah, I did, and it's something I need to see again. Did you like because... it more than this movie? No. Okay. No. I, Josh, I actually. Which one did you like more? Probably the lobster, but uh, um, like I said, I'm probably more middle of the road on this than you guys are. Just uh, I, I, I guess in both of them, I probably liked the first half and the second half less in each movie, but I feel like the lobster kind of left me a little more to think about than this one did. I kind of get For what sure. Gra- Graham's saying, but this one, I, I hadn't really found anything to necessarily grab on to, hold on to about this to really grapple with and think about. Like, and it is interesting, kind of what Graham said about um, not viewing kids maybe as innocent as you should. But I mean, Dogtooth is largely about kids and their parents being overprotective of them and what comes with that possibly. And Lobster obviously has a lot to say about like relationships in the modern age. And I don't know, I don't know. If this one's going to really leave me with as much to think about, even though the actual movies themselves were fairly similar in that I was much more absorbed in the first half of each than the second half. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah I'd, I'd, I mean, totally different films for sure. But I think, I think with a lobster, I was, I was more, I, I was more intrigued by the overall premise than yeah. what actually happened. Sure. And I think with this, I was more intrigued with <laughs> vice versa, what happened than the overall premise, because I just, yeah, I just wasn't, I guess my, my expect, expectations though were different because we, we talked in the beginning about watching trailers beforehand. And that's something I've tried to curb a little bit or like seeing yeah. them months yeah. in advance, because if they're yeah. that fresh in your mind, you're going to have this preconceived notion about what it yeah. should be like. And with the lobster, I didn't, I don't know if I'd seen any trailers at the time, but I certainly knew what yeah. the movie was about. And this going in, I didn't know any of the plot, but I knew what the vibe would be because I had seen The Lobster. So sure. it's really about how you go into it, I think, for this, especially this movie and where you're feeling like r- right now. Because if you're really caring so much on every word they're saying, like you said, that dialogue is is, is going to be really enamoring to some. But if you don't give a shit about them setting up their lives and talking about all this stuff – that style comes off as really bland and dry. Yeah. And, and so it really all depends on the person and kind of what their expectations are. Yeah. Hmm. I wanted to, I wanted to care. I think I told Josh, I was excited to see this cause I liked the like style of the lobster and, um, I like parts of it. And I thought that, the, I thought that the story would be good here. And then I, I guess I was just let down by, by it. I don't know. I don't think it's like a bad movie, but, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't want to watch it ever again. You know, it's it's funny that Graham's grappled with that trailer thing, like we have too. Like last year, every time it came on in a theater, like I ran out of the theater when the when the La La Land trailer came on, and I, there was absolutely nothing yeah. for me to have been worried about about that. But then other ones, yeah. like I can see why you would think that after this one, but I had forgotten most of this one, and I don't know. I think it is interesting, like just what you know when you go into it, and. Um, and like I think it had set me up for a slightly different movie that I was expecting, but I don't even know if that would have ultimately made me feel that much different. But sometimes I do get my expectations like way too out of whack because of that. Sometimes I watch them, sometimes I don't. So I don't know. Like, I I, I got to kind of figure out a better strategy for that. Usually it's just like I happen to see it. Like I've watched the Black Panther trailer like 20 times because it's just like it doesn't talk about the plot. And you, but you just can't know that until like someone ass- does a good job of assuring you ahead of time. You know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Oh, well. But um, yeah, it's definitely cer- certainly a movie I need to see again. Uh, I think that I think that I probably will be even more weirded out knowing what to expect in some of those scenes that were like with with his mom and and when he's with the kids who are just going to seem even more unsettling just knowing dreadful what's so, sure yeah absolutely that was the other thing that yeah. we talked about performances i was going to ask you because i told anthony not to look at the cast list you're a big clueless fan what did you think to see alicia silverstone in a in a yorgos lanthimos movie like what was your initial reaction to how, you, how are you gonna recognize alicia silverstone in this movie and not recognize matt damon in in thor that's that's all i got 
Uh, oh, dude, know. I haven't seen Thor no, yet. Oh, it's, man. It's oh, literally like <laughs> in the first five minutes of the movie. Okay. I mean, I'm I'm cool. well, I, I, no, very I, obvious, and Josh did not realize that Matt Damon was in the movie. Whatever. At least you didn't say wait for Matt Damon and Interstellar or something like that. That was like a big ruiner or something like uh, that, you know? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, well, I knew, I, I just looked at the IMDb cast list. I don't know if I, I mean, I'd like to think I would have known it was her beforehand, but I don't know, but I just kind of yeah. knew it was coming. But I mean, nah, I mean, obviously I love, I love her. So I'm always down for whatever it's she's just, doing. It's just weird. It's just like the movie, so she's weird. Made, yeah. the movie she's most known for is about like as different as you can get from a Yorgos Lanthimos movie. That was just kind of, kind of a funny, yeah. cast, a funny casting decision is all I thought. No, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. Since she's not really been doing like feature films like this, like yeah. big feature films, so yeah, good um, for her. She was great in that, though. She was really good in that. Yeah, I mean, it was an that's... uncomfortable scene, but that's what she was asked to do, and she did it well. You know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, for it's just weird that it, it anyone in the world is in it. It's Alicia Silverstone, but yeah, yeah she's she's fine. <laughs> um. Anyway, Graham, thank you for coming on again. We'll have to uh, we'll have to get you on for another one. Because I still think our Cloverfield podcast is one of the best ones that we had. Um, Absolutely. That was a lot of fun. That was yeah, a lot we, of well, fun. Yeah, he, yeah. Graham can be our bad robot correspondent. They got the next one coming out, in, I think, sometime in the spring. So, And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So, Let me know. Yeah, we can definitely, plan, definitely plan on yeah. that one, I think. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so guys. thanks for coming on. You want to plug anything? Twitter, website, <laughs> anything? You can follow me on Twitter at, at Graham Hall underscore. Uh, if you like sports, you can <laughs> read what I write at Gatorsports.com. But you guys do the real work. This is great to be on. I love talking movies with you guys. You know, this is this is you know talking our passions. This is fun. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Always it. a good time, man. Thanks, guys. Yeah, as yeah, usual, yeah. thanks as, for coming on. As usual, you can find me on Twitter at Josh Chernovoy, J O S H J U R N O V O I, and the the podcast Twitter is at fifty two in fifty two pod. You can find me at a clambake a k l a m b a k e. Podcast emails fifty two and fifty two pod at gmail.com. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Give us a follow. Give Grammar a follow. Let us know what you thought of this movie. And we'll see you guys next time.